This is my own private domicile and I will not be harassed! Bitch! Gangsters, what's up guys? What's the grant to a motherfucker like me? Can you please remind me? Get the world by the tail! Fat broads and horse-faced lesbians. Cute as shit. Oh, 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 skip, skip, skip. If you don't chew big red, then f you. That's so horny. Could you imagine if I hit the old water pipe with that thing? Oh. Great cash, homie. Three, two, one, let's fuck! Everybody's got to hear the shit on W Balls, W Balls, W Balls. And good morning, everybody, for a new episode of the Do Not Listen This podcast with your host, Sam LaCrosse. Hello, I am your host, Sam LaCrosse. How's everybody doing today? Can you dig it? I can. And today is a special day. It is a day of reminiscing. It is a day of celebration. It is a day of a lot of things. And I think that it is time for the 2021 Don't Do This Media, State of, the Don't, State of Don't Do This Media address to the listening audience. Now, we did this last year at the end when it was just the state of the don't read this blog.com address. Now we have expanded. We have a podcast. We have some other projects coming out. We have expansions and both of those things coming out in the future. It's going to be awesome. And I'm really, really excited for 2022. I'm recording this a couple weeks in advance because of those developments. I'm fucking swamped in just my normal work and then my outside of work life with and getting all this stuff in a row, kind of hammering out the details, everything else that is going about how we can make this work together. And this is a very important thing. I wanted to kind of do this last year, first of all, because I um, I like the State of the Union address, you know, being given by, you know, I, I, I like watching presidents give it. I think it's very cool where he can kind of just address, or he or she, I guess in the future if we have one president, can kind of address the audience about, you know, just what's going on in the world, what's going on, where can we look to the future, what have we, what we've accomplished, where are we going. So, I am about to, put, this is going to be another shorter one compared to last week and this week. We're going to end on three short podcasts throughout the remainder of the year, which will probably be good for your ears. And, or three short original podcasts, I should say, the ones that I'm going to do probably would be longer, but we'll see. But now, I am going to pull on my best uh, George W. and give you a good evening my fellow Don't Do This Media content absorbers and readers and listeners. Let's begin. Um, sorry, my bad. Let's start over. Let's begin by me saying that I generally have no fucking idea how to start these things. Last year's is easy. Talk about how I got the idea for the blog, how I've, quote, grown as a person, a stop story about me in the airport, etc. So this year, I think a different tactic is in order. Well, I don't think, or at least hope, that a year like 2020 will ever repeat itself in my lifetime in terms of bizarre events and or writing material... 2021 was still one to remember. I read a lot of great books. I think I wrote a lot of great articles. I moved again. I started a lot of exciting new projects, some of which I will be telling you about later on in this post and podcast if you're listening. But what I want to focus on for the bulk of this post and this podcast will be in my yearly takeaways. These takeaways are not hot takes. 
These, in my estimation, are repeated trends that I've seen throughout our society throughout the course of this year that I believe will continue on into the future. There are numerous profound instances of all of them, and I believe they have the potential for major impact in one way or another as we head into 2022. My hope with reciting these takeaways is to get you to think about them both within the confines of your own life and the confines of the greater culture at large. See if they affect you. See if they affect what you care about. See if they're actually right at all. If they're not, call me on it. Because it is these trends, as well as others that I'm too blind to see at the moment, that will determine much of what will reside within our future. Momentum is the great equalizer in life. What goes around comes around. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. This is as true in physics as in our lives in general. And trends are the greatest predictor of this phenomenon. A train that is barreling down the tracks is unlikely to stop. The stars that come out at night probably won't disappear the next one. The act of universal repetition is one of the few things that we can depend on to orient ourselves properly. The trends that I am going to be speaking about are the things that I can believe we can use to help establish that orientation for our personal well-being and our society going into the next year. I've put a lot of thought into how these trends will affect our lives in 2022. We have a massive cycle of elections coming up that could flip the color of the United States government. Big tech is getting bigger. About 16 new COVID variants were discovered while I was speaking the last sentence. About 14 new and shitty books that tell not one iota of truth are being published every minute. There must be some things that can clear away the fog of madness and allow us to see the clear path forward. I believe that these takeaways and trends can be a start to doing just that. After I finish explaining them, I will then pivot towards what the blog, podcast, and projects will look like going into 2022. And again, I can't express how excited I am to watch them develop. And more importantly, I can't express how grateful that I am that you all have stuck with me. Thank you. Sincerely. And now, my fellow don't-do-this-media content absorbers, readers, listeners, whatever, let's get started. Takeaway number one, almost nothing is as simple as it seems. Perhaps the greatest harm that hot take culture and social media have done to our country is distort the factor of complexity. This was ever apparent throughout 2020. On nearly every major issue from the pandemic to race relations, everything was boiled down into a simplistic message. This took its form in phrases such as, quote, 15 days to slow the spread, or, quote, no justice, no peace, or, quote, stop the steal. They were easy, effective, and simple and not a lot of people question them. But looking back on it in 2021, we should have questioned all of them. We're now on almost day 700 of 15 days to slow the spread. Even after justice was served, peace was not always returned to communities. The 2020 election was not stolen. This is a derivative of absolutism, and only Sith deal in those, and we would be wise not to join them. While simplistic ideas might be nice in theory, hardly ever, anything ever is. In 2021, this manifested in several horrifying ways. The aforementioned, quote, stop the steal people crashed into one of our, land our landmark government buildings. It turns out that giving Americans free money and telling them not to work would lead to the highest levels of inflation seen in decades and incentivize those people to not participate in the workforce. A swap of a president will not lead to a swift turnaround in favor of that president's base. A vaccine will not rid the world of a disease. Due to this trend, our expectations have been warped for both our leadership class and our outlook on the future. We should have high expectations of these people. They are, after all, leading the various institutions of our country into the future. 
But we should tread incredibly carefully when they promise us quick and simple fixes. They usually won't end up as quick and simple as they would like it to be. The easiest way to gain power amongst a group of people is to identify with them. The easiest way to identify with people is to be clear and concise with the message that you want to send. That's why clickbait is so popular. That's why the mainstream news media is getting rid of actual news for commentators and opinions. They're throwing a whole buffet of shit at the wall of you and hope that something sticks. Because when it does, they have you. They know that they have planted a seed inside your mind and will then will look to control you. They will attempt to make you believe and do irrational things in order to garner favor with you. Lord knows what they'll do with it should they be lucky enough to possess it. The lesson for this that we all should take from it is that things like sometimes things like economic cycles and public health, most of the time, take time to change. Sometimes they don't, even though those that do, like the coronavirus, are very rare exceptions that to that otherwise inflexible rule. Whenever someone tries to simplify something that is otherwise incredibly complicated, you should immediately be skeptical. This is not saying that things should not change. Some things do need to change, and more on this later. But when they do need to change, you should probably get it through your skull that will take longer than you would like them to. And that is probably a good thing that they do. Takeaway number two. When you want to remove something, be very careful with what you replace it with. Now, this may seem obvious. A lot of these will, but sometimes the obvious conclusions are the ones that are barely reached. The unknown is the great fear that permeates all of us. We don't do well with uncertainty. The pandemic and everything that sprung out of that specific Pandora's box has proven as much. Humans are defined by pattern and by trend. We don't operate well going off, in, off of instinct and or shooting from the hip. This should be common knowledge to all of us by now. However, common knowledge does not always equal common action. A lot of people, particularly the more frustrated among us, a number that unfortunately seems to be increasing exponentially by the day, are becoming more and more sick of existing things in our society. These can include a wide variety of things, such as universities, government regimes, or just the general way of life. Society is supposed to progress into the future and change when change is appropriate. Much like we discussed in takeaway number one, this is the natural way of the order of human civilization. Creative destruction is necessary in order to burn off the dead wood of old and outdated things and revitalize them with new and better things. But that equation only works when those things that we replace are, indeed, old and outdated. When the things we replace other things with are not better than their predecessors, we risk destabilizing whatever purpose of those things are attempting to serve. Much like any architectural structure, the things that support it contain the very foundation of what the thing they are supporting is supposed to be. When that support cannot bear the weight, the overlying superstructure can topple, and usually does topple. Increasingly in our society, and I believe increasingly in the future, more and more calls are coming from the masses of society to remove more and more support structures for various institutions and organizations across our nation. People want change, and they see these things as the primary inhibitors of that. It's understandable to want these things when they're warranted. But what is not understandable is substituting something that clearly is skeptical of working in favor of something that does not work. It may not be the most efficient thing, but it is still the thing that works. Could it work better? Quite possibly. If it already has made it this far, it probably can be made at least a little bit better. This would be the better path to go down, in my estimation. The horror of the rip and replace method is not something I think we should entertain at scale. 
You should think about these things and help people talk about them. Ask yourself honestly and objectively about what they could mean for you and the world at large. Would adding more judges to the Supreme Court really make things more just? Or would it give whichever president is in office nearly unchecked power to stack the executive branch of government as a tyrannical battering ram? Is universal basic income really going to empower people to pursue their passion? Or just become an extended welfare state to make people more dependent on the government? Are financial institutions really getting into cryptocurrency in order to have a decentralized system of payments? Or are they just trying to undermine it to gain control for themselves? Should the traditional work, for work week really be abolished? Or is it just an effort by greedy corporations to invade your personal and private life even more so than they already do? There are a million different examples of preemptive change that could go horrifically wrong if done prematurely or poorly. These are just high-level ones. But for your life, think about how this could affect your friendships, your marriage, your career, your everything. The unknown is always scarier than the known. And to prove that, let's go on to takeaway number three. Takeaway number three, in the outcome of any scenario, look at who is getting more powerful, more profitable, or both. Arguably the best book I read in 2021, more on this in a later post, was Woke Inc. by Vivek Ramaswamy. It's an incredible, absolutely stupendous look at what I believe is the most insidious problem in America right now, that of, that of stakeholder and woke capitalism. If done to the effect that the people running corporate America would want it to, it can decimate culture and topple nations. It's happening right now to weaker ones like Myanmar, and its cracks are beginning to show in stronger ones like the United States of America. While this is particularly a problem when it comes to finance and tech, other companies are starting to engage in this as well. For example, there are now commercials where morbidly obese women dance around in extra-large jeans in the name of, quote, body positivity. The companies that create this type of marketing could be doing it to promote a cause, albeit a horrible one. But those companies could also be creating this type of marketing to sell you a different line of genes. Last time I checked, companies are still held liable by the federal government and their shareholders to maximize profits. A new line of genes will certainly add to that margin. Making people feel good can, but it's definitely not as definitive. In the previous takeaway, we talked about replacements and what they could mean to culture and society. With this takeaway, we are now talking about the people behind those mechanisms. Who really benefits from doing those things that I mentioned above? From getting into cryptocurrency in large quantities, to mandating personal health decisions, to punish people who don't adhere to their opinion of their personal health decisions. The person who usually benefits is either one of two things. One who wants to gain power, or one who wants to gain profits. How can this decision either make my bank account swell or my social capital accumulate? Well, this is certainly not the case with any, decision, any decisions that all people make, and I don't think I'm that much of a pessimist in saying that. Chaos is the largest opportunity people have to seize this type of movement on a particular issue. When taken together with people who already have a lot of both, this can create a lot of concern. Too much inequality, which is actual inequality, not the made-up equity that people are talking about nowadays, in society can cause it to begin to eat itself. Who really benefited in Myanmar when Facebook and Meta came in and installed Facebook on every single phone with an internet connection? Certainly not the people that are getting brutally genocided in ethnic cleansing operations across the country. An extreme example, sure, but a true one. I'm not against people gaining power or wealth. I want there to be all the opportunities in the world for that. 
but the means must justify the ends, not the other way around. When people want to, quote, change things or be an activist or advance a cause, excuse me, I advise you to take a second look before diving in head first. They could be steering in the right direction, but they also could be masking the depth of the pool they are diving into. Takeaway number four. A lot of what you assume about yourself is probably wrong, at least until you test it. In my post about our expert class, I unveiled the myth of American exceptionalism that is parroted throughout our society by those that benefit from it. Those who have to shout and say that they are exceptional usually are insecure about their exceptionality. This is the case with nearly everything that is comparable in that regard. The reason for this, I believe, is multifaceted. But one major reason that I do not believe I hit upon well in that post has not much to do with those people at all. Rather, it has to deal with their environment. Since World War II, we haven't had a major existential threat that has shaken up the world. Eric Weinstein has referred to this as the Big Nap, a nearly 75-year period where there was relatively little stress placed on those in positions of leadership and power. This is not the case in, any, in all situations, of course, but it was the case in many of them, particularly those that inhabited the more cushy areas of our livelihood and society. But that all changed when COVID-19 emerged from China to kneecap the entire world. The biggest stress test the world had seen in nearly a century was delivered with no warning at all. Our experts in leadership class failed tremendously in every, nearly every possible category. Thankfully, some people are starting to wake up and beginning to shed this logic for alternative sources. This is a good thing, a necessary thing. But in our own lives, we can fall victim to that same trap we sh should we not open our eyes to see it. We're all soft relative to just about every other generation that has come before us. We're also more compassionate and, quote, tolerant than them, which is a good balance. But this softening of our mental psyche is not a good thing in the long run for how we choose to live our lives. We need tests in order to see where we are in our levels of competence. We've seen what countries with no competence are capable of. And the answer to that question is nothing. They're good at nothing. I would prefer to avoid that reality if at all possible. This is what I, and Frank, thankfully many people, find disturbing about some school districts getting rid of letter grades and testing throughout their systems. If we do not allow students to stratify themselves by levels of competence in the area of learning, what is the point of them learning at all? What could you possibly say to your child to justify to send them every day in that venue for approximately 14 years of your life? Tests and units of measurement based on overall competence are necessary in order to keep people sharp and on guard. Willful suffering undertaken in order to build yourself up to be better is absolutely necessary to prepare you for when real and unimaginable suffering actually comes to your doorstep. When you are always ready, you never have to get ready. So, before you call yourself or other people something, ask yourself what tests you have passed in order to get there. Odds are, what you assume about yourself is probably wrong. Unless you've tested it first. Takeaway number five, people are much more similar in both motivation and personality than you think, especially when they oppose one another. One of my favorite posts that I did this year was on the bizarre flip-flopping trend within our political classes. Liberals are the new bigots and conservatives are the new snowflakes. I think the data is pretty clear on this one. But the much more interesting question resides outside of politics. 
Because for one thing, politics isn't that interesting. It's all the shit that goes on around it that makes it relatively bearable. Second, it revealed a trend that, underneath the surface, explains nearly everything in our divided society. The reason that our two primary political parties flipped on one another is because they're the same thing. Politics is the game of who can accrue the most power. Therefore, the motivation and personalities of the two political parties are one and the same. They may look different, talk different, and feel differently about certain things, although I would say that's a dubious proposition at best. But the undercurrent for everything that they talk about all comes from and goes to the exact same place. Two things can be true at the same time, but two more things can be more true when they lie in opposition to one another. Think of a game of your choice. What is the motivation of either side of the game? To win the game. What is the personality of the two competitors? Probably matched equally with one another depending on how they go about feeling each other out. If it's a feisty competition, they usually jaw and talk shit. If it's a strategic gambit, they usually play it close to the vest, and so goes the rest. This can be prescribed to any two forces that are in any sort of mild competition against one another. There is a common objection and a common personality because they both must be both. Maybe that's why everyone hates politicians. They don't like them because they don't like looking at themselves. It's a harsh truth, but it's definitely a possibility. I actually think the divisiveness in America has gotten slightly better. I also think it's gotten harsher. Less quantity, but definitely more quality. And I think this trend will continue into 2022. I also think it's going to get worse. And it's up to us to see what happens and act accordingly. Well, now that we've cleared that out of the way, let's get to what comes next. As I've said about a septillion times by this point, I'm very excited about the next year and what it means for Don't Do This Media. And here's why. I cut the number of posts I created for DontReadThisBlog.com from the first year to the second year in half. The point of this was to emphasize the quality of the writing over the quantity of the writing. And I think I accomplished that. While I still feel like I can dip a little bit more in to really beef up the strength of the material, I think it's at a really good place now where I want to keep it at that rate for at least through 2022. There are much less shitty posts and a far higher percentage of good ones, at least in my opinion, in 2021 than there were in 2020. I have an absolutely killer lineup to start off, start off the year. It's the most transgressive genre of material I've ever done in my life. It's a subject I've avoided for a long time but feel that I can no longer do it. That will take up the first month of the blog. It will be another series, my first one since I finished my Escape to the Matrix series in the fall of 2020. Afterwards, I have loads of great ideas that have been marinating in my brain for a while. It's time to throw my brain on the grill and force you all to eat it, if that makes any sense at all. And I hope it does, because I wanted that to be a joke, but I don't know if it's going to be funny. So we'll see. Don't listen to this podcast turned out to be a very large success. While the number of people listening are not there yet, expanding the blog into a more digestible audio format turned out to be a very good idea. More people tuned in and gave me feedback. I like to think I listened to those people and took their critiques and praise in stride. It allowed me to do the say it out loud test every single week to see if my ideas were hot fucking garbage. And sometimes they were. But remarkably, sometimes they weren't. It was, if nothing else, a very interesting social experiment. But I'm coming to a bottleneck. The format of the podcast has been to record one per week, two per month being allocated to new material and two per month being allocated to old material. However, 
that old material is running out. I've burned through most of the good shit that I care about sharing and I'm in need of another source. The good news is that another source has come to fruition. In the last week of every month, starting in January, I'm launching the Don't, Do the Don't Listen to This Podcast conversation series. I'm pretty sure that you'll all want to shoot yourself in the head with a large caliber bullet if it's only me talking about my shit for another entire year. I wouldn't be shocked if you held that sentiment. In fact, I hold that sentiment myself. I'm sick of doing it. So I decided to change it. Once a month, as the last episode of that month, I will be having a guest on the podcast. The guest for the series in that particular month will have to be, have several prerequisites. Pre I sound like Elmer Fudd there for a second. We'll have to have several prerequisites. First, they'll have to be someone who I truly respect. I don't want to waste my time talking, just talking to someone just to talk with someone, because that doesn't do anybody any good. Second, there will be someone who I believe can actually bring value to you through the medium of a conversation. There will still be no fluff in my material, because I do not do fluff. There will be a meaningful topic that I think more people need to hear about. And lastly, they will be interesting. Boring people do no one any good, particularly me as I try to get my podcast traffic up. I believe this chemistry will do us all well in expanding what we can do together in 2022. So, the format of the blog and podcast will be as follows. The blog will be the same. There will be a new post every two weeks starting in the first week of January. The podcast format will be two devoted to those two new blog posts, one devoted to an old post, and one conversation series per month. I currently have six guests lined up, all who I think will be phenomenal. I think it's a very positive step in the right direction for the journey going forward. Finally, if you've been a long-time fan, and I mean a long-time fan by this point, you may have noticed something different about the contents of DontReadThisBlog.com. You may have noticed that some things have, that have been there are no longer there. You may have noticed a pattern with these things, and this is by design. I have a very special project that I've been working on for almost two years that reached its completion as of Monday, November 29th. That project, in my view, is the culmination of all my media over the past two years. It is the final destination, the stopping point, the apex. I will be announcing the specifics of the project at a later date. But, for now, know that things are in motion. The things that I took down were taken down for a reason. I love most of these posts, but they now need to serve a greater purpose. And I strongly believe that they will. So that's the plan going forward. I thank all of you for sincerely sticking with me. I promise it'll be worth it. Look forward to the last post of 2021 of the best books I've read this past year to come out in two weeks. Until then, I have work to do before 2022 hits. So see you guys on the flip side. Own the day. Open your mind. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week. Hopping, stopping, hopping like a rabbit. When I take the Nina Ross, you know I got to have it. I lay back in the cut, retain myself. Think about the shit and I think it well. How can I mix my grip? And how should I make that nigga straight?